We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back. Gets up the shot. Banks This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast 2023 edition. So we are coming to you live Sunday, January 1st. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got nearly a whole squad with me tonight, a starting five, if you will. At shooting guard, we have Nick Crane. (laughs) Shooting guard, because all I do is shoot, don't pass. At a small forward, we have Kami Armarabian. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, man. I'll guard pretty much anybody. I'll shove people to the floor and probably shove and push and all kinds of stuff. It's good times. At power forward, we have Taylor Peterson. <laughs> Feels a little uh, big, but, you know, I'm position- <laughs> positionless. Is this the thunder? <laughs> no right. size? Versatility. And in Thunder fashion, at 6-7, starting for center, <laughs> we've got Justin Peabody. Hello, everybody. Do people who listen to the podcast know how tall Justin actually is? But somebody oh, Only man, because we, we mentioned it like every other I was going to say, it feels like it gets brought up like every episode. We need Silva here right now to put up that photo of us hanging out with Perry Jones and Justin is basically equal <laughs> to Perry Jones. Yeah. And me and uh, yes. Taylor and I look like freaking Midgets. hobbits. So yeah, maybe Justin's the the shooting guard after all. Yeah. Because that's, that's what Perry point. played when he was here, I think. Well, I was maybe yeah, it's like Tabo, Robertson, like I'm in that range. Yep. There you go. I, I have the shooting skills of Robertson, so we're on track. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Stephen Adams posted a picture with Andre Well, multiple pictures saw that. of those pictures. Uh he was with Andre and his son. Pretty wholesome. Yeah. Hey, uh speaking of Justin, real quick. Oh boy. New year, new intro. Do we need to drop some new videos on the new intro, Justin? Um, we, we do need to <laughs> create them. Yes. Got a few new game winners to to. Yeah, we do. Uh, it kind of yeah, throws me off when I hear 
Giddy to JRE, rookie to rookie connection. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It's Need to hit up Silva. Yeah. Yeah, we'll make – he's got some free time now. He can do it. God. Oh, my Goodness. God. Right. It has been two weeks since we've all been on the show together. So uh, I hope all you boys had a great holiday, enjoyed your new year. Um, I know all of us celebrated Christmas, so I hope you guys had a good Christmas. Um, only two of us have children, so uh, I'm sure Taylor and Justin's Christmases were a little more chaotic and eventful than us other three. They were hectic, but extremely fun in like a brand new way. This is our son's first Christmas, so that was a Aww. it was a lot of fun for both sides of the family. Justin's dropping videos in the Slack on oh, Christmas morning so at awesome. 3 a.m. saying Santa came through clutch. Yeah, buddy, got With that these... Mario Kart Hot Wheels Rainbow Road set that received a lot of. Uh, testing prior to Christmas morning. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the best part. It's just getting to play with yeah. all the toys before. It's impressive. Part. Santa had, had enough time to assemble that after he came down the chimney. Yeah, he did. He it's, Chris, it's Christmas magic. I, Christmas I watched, magic. I watched uh, <laughs> Violent hey. Night. That's a, my new nice. favorite Christmas movie. I oh, haven't dude. seen that. I wanted to oh. see that because of Harvard. I bought it. We watched it Christmas night. My mother was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. But I'm sure you and your dad were just dying the whole time. It, it was. Uh, I am curious, Justin, at your all's household, are there cookies left out for Santa or is it pumpkin pie? Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, cookies. Dude. <laughs> cookies and milk. Jeez. <laughs> Holy crap. It's just Santa on a trip. It's Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus isn't in the isn't in the uh, the sleigh for that night, so you've got to hold off on the pumpkin pie <laughs> oh till you get home. God. Justin orders pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks year-round. <laughs> Can you even do that? I don't think that's allowed. Well, I'm not a star. I'm a Dutch bros guy, so I don't know. Oh, They're both incorrect answers. Jeez, coffee it's snob. It's all about the local. I'm a big face coffee guy now, so at Are home you? at least. Huh? You can't, you can't buy that anywhere else. You can't go out and just get a cup of that, so. Yeah. Hey, elemental and clarity and OKC. It's a little Solid. free plug from the uncontested. <laughs> Solid choices, Taylor. Yeah, hey, if you guys want to sponsor the show, that's right. <laughs> just hold up. Cut the check. Cut the check. <laughs> um, let's talk some basketball, guys. It's been a while People. since we've all been together to talk basketball. Twenty twenty three starting out rough here in the comments section. <laughs> Is that Taylor's, Taylor's, got, Taylor's got YouTube burners now. <laughs> that's right. Um, since we have yeah. last talked. Uh, the Thunder have had more injury misfortune as I think it was the last game before Christmas. Poku comes down funny about two minutes into the game against the Pelicans. Was it the Pelicans game? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, hurt his knee or maybe his ankle. Uh, nobody really knew, but was rolling in pain as my heart was ripping in two on December 23rd. Turns out it is a non-displaced fracture in his tibia. I think that is correct, what, what the Thunder PR tweeted out. Six to eight weeks for Poku. JRE, still out. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Dagnalt said weeks, not days. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit longer. So that is not good. We know Chet is out for the season, although the other night I had a dream that Joe Masato tweeted out that Chet Holmgren got upgraded to available for a game. Hey. And it was that says so much about you that you had a dream like that. Dude, yeah. it was a good dream. I woke up happy that night. You gotta like you gotta get some more hobbies. 
um, we have no Usman Jang till at least February. I'm thinking all-star break for Usman Jang, who has a non-displaced fracture in his wrist. Uh, Jay Will has got a couple of starts. It's been rough. <laughs> it has definitely been rough for Jay Will. Um, Mike Muscala is older, not getting a ton of playing time, uh, even with the injuries. Basley has flat out just been bad. And so has been logging DMPs did play. What was that? Like 23 minutes last night against the Philadelphia 76ers made a business decision to try to drive in on Joel Embiid with zero plan on what to do after he put the yeah. ball on the floor and got that shit thrown to like, I don't know. I was in the two hundreds last night, so it ended up near me. Sick flex, bro. Yeah, I know. If Mike Muscala, if Mike Muscala played more, OKC would probably have won at least one of the games they like lost, however many in a row or whatever. Like that, this is purposeful, right? I mean, I, I don't think they don't they don't mind writing any of this out and missing out on the playoffs whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's just a development thing. But Kamir, that's a perfect transition to kind of what I wanted to pick your guys' brains about. It is very clear that size is going to be a problem moving forward. I did not think Poku was that impactful until they didn't have Poku. And I saw what Charlotte did against this team and then what Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia Sixers did to this team. Is there any chance? We're we're at January 1st. I think the deadline's early this year. It's like February 5th or 6th or something like that. So we're five weeks out. Is there any chance that they end up making some sort of move and bringing in a bigger body? to write out the rest of this season? I think I mean, there's a good chance of it. I, I think, like Kamiar said, I think that um, it's not a bad thing, depending on your perspective, to be in this situation for the Thunder. I think it makes certain choices a lot easier about what direction you take this team. Like you said, it's been pretty ugly. Bringing in somebody doesn't necessarily change that, depending on who you bring in. I think what you need is minutes. And I think what we've talked about in the past on, on this here podcast is that this team needs some semblance of a center just to like run sets and like to get valuable work in for these guys and to kind of run a system that they want to run. You need someone at the five spot. doesn't have to be someone amazing. doesn't have to be someone that's all of a, all of a sudden going to catapult you to the play in necessarily, but you need somebody. And I don't know that Jay will is that somebody. I don't know that Mike Muscala is that somebody. Um, I don't think JRE is that somebody like, I don't know that those are, are the bodies you want. So I would not be surprised to see the thunder go find somebody to fill those minutes and play that role. Do I think they're going to go chase miles Turner immediately? No, even (laughs) though I'd love that. Um, But I think that, you know, I think there's an opportunity just given given the injuries and, and the situation on this team to go find someone else to play that role. I just don't know if I see it happening just because of the sheer idea that it gives you more odds for Victor Wembanyama. Like I mean like like that's like like the absurdity of that photo that was posted the other day <laughs> where the guy had shot the ball and it already left his hands like he's like th- 2 feet 3 feet away from his body. And Wimbanyana is like swatting that crap all the way to the stands, and maybe fair. even just and maybe even palming it. 
Tremont Waters is five ten, but yeah, that's what it sounds to say. He's he's pretty he's pretty big. small. He's pretty he's pretty small. But like, but still, also known as half of Victor Wembanyama. But that's the thing. It's it's like I don't think like yes, I agree with that, Justin, and I think they're getting plenty of that in practice. But like it, you also want to log those, and I know you want to log those NBA minutes. I think there's the understanding that they'll get those game minutes with Jerry when he does come back and with others and Jay with Jalen Williams and yada, yada. Um, but I don't, I don't think they mind it because I mean, I, they, at the end of the day, I, I still think they care about those lottery odds this year, even though they still are trying to quote unquote win and make the playoffs. Like uh, Kenrich said. I'm with Kami right here. Uh, I tend to agree. I, I very much understand the other side of the argument. Uh, and what I was searching for there was a tweet from last night. Ross Lovelace uh, tweeted this out saying, you know, basically understanding the premise to an extent of not going and, and trying to find a big to fill that role while some of these other guys are out like we're talking about. But no center on the squad is hurting more than helping. Some players need a big to grow. And I really liked what he said there in regards to some of these other players, especially some of these rookies uh, and even second year players really kind of need that big uh, just in, in order to <laughs> be able to play the rightful position like I think about Lou Dort for example these past two seasons having much more almost a little too much room to do uh, he almost needs to be honed in a bit because of Chet Holmgren's playing this season for example I don't think he's having the role that he has this year but then there's also like you know from a development standpoint you're thinking of players uh, some of these rookies coming in I know Usman Jang's been out uh, J-Dub's a little different <laughs> but I do think that some of these guys do need a true big in order to truly function oh hey there we go there's uh, the Wendy Rudy Gobert <laughs> Side by side, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. One of those two are going to heaven. <laughs> wow. And he didn't. And one, the other one's the other one. The other one, the one. The other one plays for the Timberwolves. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We need Silva. We need Silva with the sounder. The, as much hey, as I hate Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Insert here. But when I was going through this outline before the podcast, I think this kind of like, I don't mean transition us, but I think it ties in really well to the the next question we have here in regards to like, is this what finally pushes the Thunder to a side? Does it push them to tanking? Does it push them to contention? Obviously with these injuries, you would probably assume that that would push them towards the tanking. I don't really think there's any pushing though. Like I don't think, for example, now that these players are sitting out, we're going to see you know, certain players resting because of minor injuries for three to four games or whatever the case may be. To Kamiar's point, I see it playing out more naturally. Like, you know, you're not going to go and acquire a big. It may result in losses, but that helps you more long-term. I, I don't think we're going to be pushed one way or the other. Uh, I think they're just going to ride this out, and that's why they're not going to make a move for a true center. I will piggyback on Taylor. If they do indeed ride this out, there will not be a need for a center by the trade deadline because they're going to be so far down the standings that the plan's not going to be possible. Like, this team is not going to be very good until they get Jerry or Poku back, in my opinion. Like, J-Will may be a really good situational big at some point. Like, maybe in a playoff series in 2025 or 2026, there's going to be a weird matchup where, like, J-Will's the guy that's the difference in the series. Like, he's this weird, undersized, creative big that can play... 18 minutes a game and, and be the difference of the series. But as a 30 minute a night kind of guy, I don't think he'll ever be that guy in the NBA. Um, I look at the schedule over the next three or four weeks. If this team doesn't add a center, 
I think it's going to be too too long, too late kind of a situation. Like this team's not going to be good. Interesting. I after the Poku news broke, one thing that my mind immediately went to, and the context is way different, and I understand that. I just I think it's fascinating. I think back to the first post KD year, the Russell MVP season. They weren't great. At the deadline, Preston went out and traded Cameron Payne uh, and some like loose pieces for a good point. Taj, Taj Gibson. Gibson and Doug McDermott and said basically he wanted to give that iteration of that team um, the best chance that it could have, right? That Russ was having this phenomenal season. Um, and so they made a move, not really a long-sided move, but they made a move uh, that would kind of capitalize that current team to let them achieve however far they could achieve. Shea's not winning MVP, but I think the all NBA talk at this point, what 30 something games into the season, like is legit. And so I wonder if there's any sort of correlation there. Now, again, Russ was an older player. Vic was in like year Vic was about what Shea's age is now. Um, Taj was an older player, you know, they, they had all these kind of older guys, some young guys mixed in there, Damanis Sabonis, Steven Adams. It wasn't part of a rebuild. It was a, just kind of doing some shit on the fly after KD had left. But I thought that was interesting in comparison to this season. Would they go out and get not some big name guy, but just a center that could fill minutes just because they look at this team and what this team is producing and say, we want to give them the best chance that they have to succeed because Taylor kind of mentioned it. Kamiar talked about, you know, this is your chance to really start to lose games to go get one Binyama. When you look at Tankathon right now, the Thunder are at the sixth best lottery odds. They're three games ahead of being in the top four. And they're like they're 9% also- versus 14%. Yeah, they're also, uh, what is this, two games away from being 13th. Crazy. So, I mean, we're literally talking like a razor's edge here. Two, three games in one direction. I've been wondering when they're going to teeter one way or the other this entire season, and they haven't gone a direction yet. They're kind of just walking that fence line. Maybe these injuries to all these bigs is when they finally fall off the edge of the fence and they fall into the tanking yard and not the competing yard. I don't know, but it's really fascinating. And even with the bigs out, we're seeing some really impressive performances. You know, like these guys, the coaching staff is clearly not like trying to to throw games. The players are trying to get W's. Like they are, to me, at least currently, Kinrich, they are, wasn't they are Kinrich, not tanking. the playoffs mm-hmm. recently? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you bring up a good point. Something I hadn't considered, Jacob that I like what that you said there is like looking back on Presti and the history of OKC, he never really does anything halfway. He either goes all in or, you know, one way or the other. So back to what I was saying about just kind of letting this team play it out, that wouldn't necessarily line up with what he's done previously. However, if you're Shea and his rep- representation, you're probably pretty upset if you're being set a certain amount of games or, you know, out of that abundance of caution you know, quotations around that um, you're sending out extra games for certain injuries you may sustain. And that keeps you from being an all NBA player. So I don't know that that's where I'm really torn. Like, do you just let this ride out 
or do you like go all in one way or the other, uh, knowing well, Presti and his past? I think I mean, there's there's no way they sit Shea for no reason. There's no right. way. I know. Like, I that, that's that's off the table. Like if it's tanking, it's tanking in disguise. I think this is the perfect opportunity to tank in disguise. Like you look back and say, like, look, we we didn't have a center for. 12 games and we lost 10 of those. And then we were down here at the bottom. We got the guys back and we can, like, th- this is the perfect, like if, if Presti and, and he always says, Mark always says, you don't want to be a middling team. That's not to say that they won't write it out and be a middling team. But if the Oklahoma city thunder wanted to have a pivot point towards the lottery, that wasn't just a blatant, Hey, we're tanking. This is it. Like we're talking about it right now. Like in this podcast right now, this is the moment where it could pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, back to Jacob's point, though. Should the Thunder pick up a center? Yes. Could they pick up a center? Also, yes. Um, I wonder if the answer to that question tells us all we need to know. Like, if we're Jan 1 right now, if Feb 1 comes around, the trade deadline's Feb 9, so we're like five weeks away, just over five weeks, if they don't pick up a center between now and the trade deadline, does that tell you what we're talking about right now? Like they, they give us our answer, right? Hundred percent. It's interesting that this can lead us down a completely other <laughs> rabbit hole that I I want to bring up. I don't want us to dive too deep into it, but could they go get, go get a center? Yes, they could also just tell Eugene Omarui sorry you're not on a two-way anymore and bring up dj wilson on a two-way and give him minutes yeah. that's a possibility yeah would they, they have the though? assets to like literally if they wanted to go get a big name center i think there's like a below zero percent chance that happens but another thing that i've kind of been thinking about is let's say they trade for a center let's say they do a one for one plus some picks some seconds just Moses to go get Brown, somebody. Darius for Darius Baisley and a couple first. There you go. No, but maybe they, they do Baisley in a couple seconds to go get some big. Did you hear, Jacob? Not before you move on, my uh, analogy of the Baisley trade on the last uh post game I did. You definitely I didn't. listened to your last you post game, but I'm blanking. That's what I was you would I know. know. Maybe, maybe maybe it was the episode I recorded that wasn't yeah, actually recorded. <laughs> the fake episode. Uh <laughs> It it feels like Baisley in a second is the OKC version of THT. <laughs> set. You know what I mean? It's, it, that's what it feels like. Every every person on Twitter, every trade you see is Baisley in a second or Baisley in a True. couple seconds. I don't know. The the trade rumors I see on Twitter are Baisley and Schaefer, DeAndre Ayton. So <laughs> maybe I'm looking at the wrong Twitter.com. So bad. So bad. Fred Van Fleet. And... But <laughs> even if you trade Baisley in a few seconds and go get a big... As soon as the season is over, you have 15 guys on your roster and you're bringing in another draft pick. So who do you let go at that point? And then next season, in the the draft of 2024, you have four first-rounders. Are you just getting rid of four dudes and bringing in four draft picks? Are you trading those some of those firsts and kicking the can down the line for other future firsts? Are you packaging a lot of those picks and making a move? Like when we talk right now, we're talking about, oh, a roster decision midseason because of injuries. And we've talked a long time about how they can't make selections with all those picks. You just don't have the roster space. 
we're now getting to the point where you legitimately have to start thinking about what they are going to do. Because in 2024, you have your own pick, the Clippers pick, the Houston pick, and the Utah pick. I mean, we could be talking like some really high value assets there. What the hell do you do with those? You do what Cleveland did. Hopefully. Yeah. And, but then the next year, you've got another three picks. So do you do that again? I mean, I tweeted it out the yeah, other night yeah, that then you kick the can down the road, right? I mean, you, you, exactly. try, to roll, you, you try to roll those assets over like, yeah. as, as much as you can. Exactly. Uh, but like that, that's the thing is that what in two years, uh, Shay, it will be about like what? 26, mm-hmm. 20, and he'll be just about to be entering his prime, which is wild to think about NBA players entering their prime at 26, 27 years old. And uh, you'll still have maybe like get can- the can down the road enough to the fact that you're still accumulating pretty awesome draft picks and draft stashes, which that's what made this Presty thing a whole masterclass of the entire trade is that you got that much of a haul and, and selling off your entire team and you got more like it it's just unbelievable what they've been able to turn it like that entire unit into yeah a i mean a, a complete aside from that kamir shay's style of play you mentioned the the prime entering his prime in a couple of years him not being i'm not saying john Morant won't be good long term because of athleticism but shay's game not being predicated on athleticism and being oh, it's the way longer. It is, makes you think shay could be like good until he's 33 yeah. 34 he's the black steve nash <laughs> exactly his, his, and yeah, his, just, career, his career has, it lasts longer because it's so smooth yeah. uh and not, not based just, off of like high dunks get off the floor you know all stuff like jaw is like like you said yeah. he like has had some sick dunks this year though shay is dunking more than he, he ever yeah. has yeah but there is one on new year's eve but also to that point about shay i continue to go down a rabbit hole <laughs> that versatility also allows you to calming earth's point you have all these different assets all these different directions to go you can go all these different directions because of Shay's versatility on the court. You're not surrounded. You know, he's not a Luca centric John Morant centric player. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Like all those different styles of building a yeah. team can lead it's to not, a championship. It's not heliocentric basketball. It's, it's not right. It's not the rockets, the hardened rockets, yeah. which we'll talk yeah. about. You can draft the show a Alvin over, Thompson next draft, or you can draft a, you know, um, uh, another small forward or, or power forward, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, there's, a lot of different options, I think, with a player like Shea. Definitely. All right. Too much, too many rabbit holes, too many rabbits. <laughs> Let's get off the the lack of size and move on to Josh Giddy's growth. Um, I think this has been a big point of contention for Thunder fans. They started the season. Oh, Josh Giddy regressed. He can't play with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Let me read you some stats real quick. During October and November. Josh scored 14.4 points per game on 45% field goals, 25% three-pointers, and 68% splits, or 68% uh, field free throw. Jesus Christ. So 45, 25, 68 splits. Um, he did that on nearly 14 field goal attempts a game. So 14.4 points on 14 field goal attempts a game, seven and a half rebounds, five and a half assists a minus 6.3. Then you look at his December stats, 15.8 points. So he went up 1.4 points per game on half a field goal 
less per game. He went from 13.9 down to 13.3. More efficient, 49% from the field, 43% from three, 90% from the free throw line. He pulled in 9.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and went from a minus 6.3 to a minus 2.4. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Just what's different with Josh's game that has allowed him to be more efficient and just overall better in these last, I think they played like 12 or 13 in December. Um, I'm going to keep it really simple. It's just games. It's just reps. Like the dude played his 84th or 85th game on new year's Eve. Like it just takes time. Like it naturally the processing speed, um, learning to shoot when every player on the floor is your size, just the the game itself is easier as you play more. And Josh is finally like in the quote unquote year two of development. Um, so based like on 84 games game. now, 85, yeah, 80, 45. So like for just me, it's, a it's full it's, season. It's very simple. Like it, you don't have to dig too deep. It's, it's just reps. Taylor, what specifically are you seeing from Josh? That's been better. So I'm going to be honest when I was like going through the doc earlier before we jumped on, I really kind of struggled to find something particular in regards to like, well, if you look at this stat over the past 10 games, this is what he's doing differently compared to the, the previous 10 games. And so, but the one thing I keep coming back to, Jacob, is something that I think you were maybe the first of us to kind of touch on that, that you pointed out. You, you touched on some post games. We all have talked about it collectively since. But here about, what was it, a month and a half ago, maybe two months already at this point, we saw Josh getting being much more aggressive. We saw him from going, you know, we saw how he played in summer league. In fact, there's a really good quote um, from Doc pregame, Doc Rivers pregame, talking about, you know, Josh getting playing in summer league, how that spoke volumes to him, yada, yada, yada. We saw how he played, though, in summer league, and then he starts the season with the Thunder, and he looks, I don't want to say a different player, but a much more passive version, version of that player. And what we saw here about a month and a half, two months ago, was him starting to play much more aggressively and utilizing that size to his advantage whether it was driving to the rim more aggressively, uh, going for rebounds, you know, just utilizing that size and strength that he has in comparison to other NBA players, even as young as he is. And I think what we've seen over these, these past 10 games, like the, the stats that you rattled off, Jacob, is uh, he's continued to, to push through, even when the shot wasn't falling, continue to be aggressive, continue to have confidence. And as that shot started to fall, you know, his, his stats have improved dramatically. The, the confidence has increased. And so, that probably combined with some uh, Chip England magic, uh, combined with with coaching, but I think as a whole, it's really kind of that change of mindset that we saw here a month and a half, half a month and a half ago, rather than something that's just happened magically over the past ten games. That's kind of my opinion. I, I was going to say aggressiveness as well, but I think to to add on to what both of you guys have said, because I think you're both spot on. Reps, obviously, aggressiveness, yes, but I think it's something that we talked about a lot of like kind of scouting intel is it's a bit like a um, chess match. Chess match. It's a little bit of a, a pendulum, right? And I think what we saw at the beginning of the season is Josh Giddy had a lot of tape out on him. And I think teams knew what to do with Josh Giddy to start the season. And I think what we saw was Josh Giddy trying to do the same things he did last year, trying to do the same things probably he's done for a long time in the NBL and they weren't working. Teams knew how to stop them. Teams knew how to get him. They, he, he was constantly getting like ripped coming around the top of the key, like those little moments like that. And you could tell it was frustrating because he's probably done that for most of his life. And now what you're seeing is the, the flip side of that coin. 
You know, he went through the first six weeks of the season and now he has an opportunity to, to counter. He has an opportunity to adjust. Uh, he knows how defenses are trying to play him. So then he can strategize with the coaching staff and figure out how to attack that. I think you'll probably see another pendulum swing this season. He's probably going to have another stretch where he looks like, butt, and thunder Twitter tries to trade him, but then he'll probably come back again. And that's just like the growth spurt of guys until you figure it out. Like Shay, where you get to a point where it's like, all right, I know the playbook. I know everything they can throw at me and I know how to beat it. And not everybody can beat it, even if they know how to beat it. But until you get to that point, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. And I think that's where we're seeing the fruits of that right now. I think you're going to see it swing the other direction at some point. But as long as he keeps adapting, as long as he keeps being aggressive and he keeps gaining more experience, it's ultimately going to be an increase over time. And so you you have that to look forward to. It's it's also just really, really fun watching him like do a step back off one foot jumper. uh, And it actually goes in in comparison to what we saw last year, which was just layup after layup after layup, right? It's it's just fun to see him do different things that they obviously were taught in situational drills and him going, like you guys said, developing his own game. And so it's just, it's fun to see that stuff. And it's fun to see his shot actually look different. Um, and so kudos to him for working on his game. Yeah, me, had, me, Tommy, you just touched on it. He had a move last night, I think in the third quarter, where he posted up and did like a little half spin and came back the other way and faded off that back foot. Dirk-esque, Chet-esque. And I was like, where did he pull that out from? Like his go-to move is always that spin. Justin, you touched on it. He's finding counters to the moves, right? You have something, they take it away. So you find the counter to what they're doing. And it's, it's this chess match. It's back and forth. And the biggest thing I've noticed from him over the past month it's just his physicality. It's like he's finally realizing he's 6'8", 220. Yep. And if you want to put Darius Garland on me, cool. I'm going to back that dude underneath the basket and get a layup. Yep. And he's been doing a lot of that. The 9.5 rebounds really jump off the page to me. Like that man is attacking the glass, especially in clutch time. I'm and just ripping boards away from people. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> you definitely will. Uh, <laughs> I gave the simple answer, but now I'll give a little bit more detail. Uh, If you look at Josh's production as an offensive player, still not great in isolation, which I think he has a lot of, a lot of upside there. He he could definitely improve quite a bit. He's still like what 20, um, like I said, 85 games, the NBA where he's thrived this year offensively from like a points per possession standpoint is anything that's like actiony, if that's a word, if you look at him in transition, if you look at him in pick and roll as the ball handler, if you look at him um, on handoffs, like his his production is a lot better than isolation. So back to Jacob's point about physicality, I think when he can do any of those things, his transition, handoff, and pick and roll, you're generally getting somebody guarding you that normally wouldn't, right? Like the whole point of doing most of those things is to get a switch or in transition, you may have a center guarding you. That's like trailing. Um, Josh thrives in those situations. And I think mm-hmm. that as he continues to realize, Hey, I'm six, eight, like you said, um, he can just, he can dominate and get to the rim and it's nothing flashy. Like he just bullies you. And, and as a little floater mid range yeah, shot and, is and able and to hit it more consistently. He's been much improved in that area. The three point shot, long way to go. Kamara said the shot looks better. It does. His percentages look better. But as a driver getting to the rim, anything that has to do with action, he's been 
much better than last year. Nick, you talk about that. One thing that immediately jumped in my mind was that game up in Cleveland where he got an offensive rebound and had Robin Lopez on him on the baseline, brought him out about 15 feet, and then just spun on him and beat him right to the basket for the layup. You know, those types of aggressive moves really coming around, and it it looks really, really good. I do wonder, though, just uh, quickly, coaching. Uh, Something you mentioned there, Nick, is getting him where it's not one-on-one isolation but getting him in pick and roll situations where the defender switching onto him, a different defender is switching onto him, um, putting him in those right situation baseline cuts, for example, where he's cutting and slashing to the basket, and uh, players like J Dub Shea are able to find him for open shots. Like, I, I think there's some coaching there as well to to help him kind of break out. I don't want to call it a slump, but kind of help him get out of these difficulties and get him more situations where he's able to thrive and and use his physicality, like we're talking about some of these strengths that we've been talking about. So. There's, there's probably some coaching there as well that I, I think is impressive. Turns out Josh Giddy, pretty damn good. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Speaking of pretty damn good, apparently the Thunder have been playing well enough. They're getting put back on national television. Hey. Finally. The NBA has decided to flex and take off the Detroit versus Philly game, I think is what it was, um, because Detroit is... God awful. Um, but hey, Killian Hayes got a hell of a, of a left hook there uh, to the back of the head, I guess. <laughs> so that game has been canceled. And instead, the Thunder at Miami will be on national TV on January 10th. So we're about a week and a half out from that. Don't want to spend long on this, but just real quick, thinking about that last Thunder Heat game where the Heat shot like a billion percent from three. Tyler Hero went supernova. The Thunder were still pretty competitive in that game. There was no Jimmy Butler in that one. What what do you want to see? What do you expect to see? And knowing this is the first time that a large portion of like casual NBA fans are going to see Shea and Josh and Dort and these types of guys out there, what are you hoping that they are able to do to really show the broader NBA community, especially a month before the all-star game uh, and all-star voting is still going on. I'm more worried about what they're going to see with OKC with no bigs. <laughs> hey, I think the last point. time they played, if I'm not mistaken, they started Darius Baisley so he could guard Bam Adebayo. Am I right in that? Sounds right. I don't know. God, I, I hope that remember. doesn't happen again. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope Shea drops a 50 piece and just does Shay things on national television because that'd be amazing. My, my other selfish hope is I think you're going to see Jada become the new, like trendy favorite of pundits across the country because I love that he's, he's going to do things and everyone's going to be astonished because they haven't watched five minutes of him all season. They're going to be like, whoa, hey, this Jalen Williams kid's pretty good. Do you know they have two Jalen Williams? <laughs> and then uh, that'll only be that, mentioned on the broadcast like right, 10 times, that, I'm sure. That whole thing will will sweep the country. And so selfishly, I'm hoping for like a J-Dub double-double or something like that. That'd be Those awesome. are the two I had as well. I Basically, I just hope that all the things that we've been talking about as Thunder fans, that we've been talking about on this podcast over the season, show – during that game. So for example, I don't, 
hopefully we don't get a Shea game like we saw at uh, New Year's Eve against the, the Sixers last night. And it's more of a game like we saw where he's, you know, hitting a game winner. He ends up with 40. Obviously, that would be ideal. Uh, but really just a game where he's able to kind of take control there down the clutch, I think would be really important toe to toe with jimmy butler exactly exactly and then like you mentioned justin like seeing j-dub playing critical minutes and uh really shining on the national stage would be fun poku would be another player that i would love like it's it that's that what i'm most upset out. about yes yeah right. i want the world to get the poku experience yes and not just the poku experience but like wait a minute he like kind of just looks like a competent basketball player now you know like i wish that non-NBA junkies, NBA league pass junkies were able to see that. So that's a little disappointing. Those are kind of the three I have. I feel the same way about all the above, but the pessimist that I am, NBA TV, or is it TNT? It's TNT. It's, it's TNT. a TNT uh, game. Yeah. TNT. I still, think, deal. I still think that there's not going to be as many eyeballs. Like for us, we, we think, oh my gosh, a TNT game. Holy crap, everyone's going to see it. But in reality, like, how many people are actually going to see it? It's a 6.30 game. It's, hey, it's, I mean, it's everybody more, watching. It's more than who's watching Bally Sports Oklahoma, exactly Nick? No, that's fair. totally true. But I, I don't think it's going to change many narratives, if that makes sense. I, I want to get I a Shaq. I apologize. I wasn't familiar with your game meme for <laughs> hey, J-Dub. Shaq is already familiar with Alexei Pokushevsky. Yeah, and Charles true. Barkley is already, already familiar with Shea Gilchrist Alexander. So, so Shea Alexander, Alexander Gilchrist. Gilchrist. So I don't the guys think, the guys we're talking about that we want to get love they've already got the love. The <laughs> I don't I don't think the game changes narratives but I think it can start narratives. True. Alexej Pokosovetsky. Do we have one for the Gilchrist Alexander? Yeah. I don't have that one. I think Silva Not has. Yet. Put that on Silva's homework assignment list. We've already got two things for him now. Which happens when you miss podcast, you get a homework list. I I'm excited for the national TV game. I think it'll be fun. Um Last thing before we move on league-wide. I think it is general podcast um, uh, practice. Oh, we need to do a New Year's resolution for each player. And what was the best thing from the past year? We're skipping it. I want some New Year's predictions, folks. Now, these aren't like our bets. I don't want you to fire off some hot take, uh, (laughs) molten lava craziness. But peer into the crystal ball. What do you see happening in the year 2023 for the Oklahoma City next year then, yeah? Do what? This leaks into next year. Yes. Yes. I will... uh, Next next season, I should say. Next year. I'll I'll kick mine off. I got a couple. You ready? Oh. The Thunder are going to cash in a lot of stuff on draft night. Jake went first specifically so he could take that from anybody else, by the way. 100%. I'm pretty sure we've been predicting Low that for three yeah. years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah. There, you can't get top two in this draft. There, if Whoever gets the top two picks, they're not trading them. I think to get the three, you're going to have to give up a shit ton of stuff. But if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma City ends up getting pick nine, like get ready for a... Uh, I don't know, nine plus your own first, plus a Houston first, plus a Trey man, plus a Poku <laughs> to go to five I or something. Agree. Agree. I, I think they're going to cash some stuff in. I don't and think they're going to go get a player. Impressive. I think they're going to go get a pick. They're going to move up in the draft, get the guy they want. My other prediction is, so we just heard that like 
Josh Giddy basically had to plead with Sam Presti to play more summer league games. Josh ain't playing summer league next year. <laughs> but I think when we are in Vegas next year, in the summer of 20, I guess this year, in the summer of 2023, we're going to see a starting lineup that features the new draft pick plus J Dub plus Chen, um, plus Oos. Like they are going to have a disgusting summer league team because I think they're going to play everybody. It's going to be get as much reps as they possibly can because we're hitting the ground running in October and we're we're gunning for a playoff spot, not a play-in spot. I'd be really surprised if they played Chet in Summer League with how conservative the staff is with everybody, including a guy that got injured right before he even got a chance to play. I get that. It's I just, true. I think also, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be past the all the, the benchmarks he needs. And if you don't play him in Summer League, he's going to be playing pickup all summer like they do sure. anyways to get ready. So... Might as well have them with Thunder coaches and Thunder trainers and Thunder players. Plot twist. Neither of those happen because of my prediction. The NBA is going to be in a lockout due to the new CBA negotiations. This guy. Kidding. God dang. Kidding, kidding. Dork. I know. Um, okay. Some some more low-hanging fruit here. Shea makes the all-star getting yes. a J-Demic Rising Stars. Is that pretty much a lock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty easy. So I'm going back to one of my preseason predictions and one that i did on the crossbolts we did with our friends over at daily thunder we talked about j-dub uh, making a a all nba or sorry an all nba goodness that'd be pretty lofty <laughs> a all rookie team but i went ahead took a step further saying that he was going to make first team all rookie going to be honest at the time wasn't super confident in that i just didn't want to be the one that said he wasn't going to make a <laughs> all rookie team at all but i'm feeling better about it and the reason is so minutes per game amongst all rookies, I looked this up earlier, he's six in minutes per game and obviously steadily rising and starting to become a regular staple in the Thunder starting rotation, I may add. Sixth in points per game, fourth in assist, third highest field goal, field goal percentage amongst rookies who play more than 10 minutes per game. And I didn't get to dive into like plus minus and some advanced stats because I didn't have time, but he's obviously having a hell of a rookie season. He's continue, continuing to improve week after week over week. I think he has a real opportunity to make that first all rookie team. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm, that's, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's true. I mean, like what we've seen from him already, especially the extended minutes too. But uh, I, I got one. It's also low hanging fruit. <laughs> Chet is going to be leading the candidacy, if you will, for rookie of the year, and people are going to complain about it a lot because it's his <laughs> second year in the NBA. Um, because he would have been already used to the speed of the game by just being in those Thunder practices for a variety of, you know, months, if you will, after Liz Frank is done uh, with his body. And um, so there's that. Uh, I think that by December 31st this coming year, uh, J-Dub will be averaging something around the lines of 14 7 and 4 uh and that's because you don't have a Lou Dort on this team. Oh. Uh, and so that's where I'm going. Space. Perfect he's, time he's for expendable. Me to step in. He's expendable. He's becoming I expendable. Totally agree. Um I have 3. They're going to be chronological, so my piggyback on Kamiar will go last. Um number 1, the Thunder draft a Combo forward. It's like a three, four. 
That's what they need badly. When Chet comes back, the five is good. You still need that three, four. Are you um, sleeping on Usman Jang over there, Nick? I'm not sleeping on him. He's just going to need a little time. He can play the other of three or four, whoever they draft. My my counter argument, Jacob, is you ain't seen enough from Usman not to draft a guy at the same position. Touche. Um, so to make this a little more spicy, I'll I'll take two cracks at it. Asar Thompson or Brandon Miller will be on this team next year. I don't like Asar. Okay. I don't like, like you. That later. I'll take that later. <laughs> um, number two, in the year 2023, Chet Holmgren has a 30-10 double-double. Uh, is the 10 in rebounds or blocks? Rebounds. <laughs> you crazy. <Persist. laughs> uh, number three, chronologically, because I think it'll take a little bit of time in the next season. Um, I do think J-Dub overtakes Lou Dort as a starter. Whether that's Lou Dort is gone or that Lou Dort moves to the bench, I think that because of size, versatility, what he does, J-Dub will be a starter by the end of 2023 over Lou Dort. Now, tying that into one of Jacob's earlier predictions, Lou Dort is probably a pretty, especially like we talked about his contract and the value it will have, uh, especially once we know more about the 2023 or 2024 new CBA. That's probably a pretty critical piece when it comes to moving up, uh, obviously combining in combination with other draft picks, uh, moving up in a draft or trading for a player, whatever it may yeah. be. That's the thing with this team moving picks and players for the, call me or mentioned earlier, the Donovan Mitchell type move. They don't got the contracts. Do you know who the third highest paid player on this team is? Oh gosh. Is it Lou? Or is he second? He's second. Point. Yeah. Oh, it's Can Josh Giddy. It's Henry? Chet Holmgren. Oh, Chet I, was about, I was about to say it's what? either Chet or something. Chet's or making like 13 mil this year or something like that. Wow. Crazy. Someone was texting me the other day, like, could the Thunder trade for this guy like a $21 million contract? I was like, yeah, the Thunder could trade for almost anybody with the assets they have, but the salary is the issue. Like, who, how do you get to 21? Trade exceptions and. Well, the trade you can't like, pair trade exceptions with stuff and, yeah, is the problem. Oh, it gets complicated yeah. and then. Huh. I mean, it is complicated. Add, like Bays and Muscala and, and Kenrich, and then you're still at like 13. Like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. you I know, know I, I mentioned this to you guys the other day. I put it on Twitter, but if you take all the draft capital and the Gobert trade, the Mitchell trade, and the DeJounte <laughs> Murray trade, the Thunder could trade all of that draft capital and still have a pick left over. I love That's the crazy. premise, but they're all, we're also talking about unprotected of that team. Which is a lot more valuable. Than yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Just yeah. the sheer number. Yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Justin, totally. I don't think you've given us your prediction yet. You guys have some good ones and some that <laughs> I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so I've been trying to come up with new ones that are not too spicy. Uh, I think that Darius Baisley is on a new team. That one feels pretty safe. Um, at some point this year, I think Darius Baisley finds a new home, whether that's before the trade deadline, over the summer, what have you. Hey, maybe it's after a really great showing on national TV against the Heat. He just really <laughs> drums up some interest, right? Jacob? Starting center, Darius Baisley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Darius Baisley gets traded. Um, I think Josh Giddy will... Um, how hot do I want to go? Josh Giddy will start next season shooting over 35% from three. 
thought you were going to say 40 and I was about to kick you off the pod. I, I, that's why I said I want to know how hot to go. I'm going to say 35%. I think the the long-term effects of Chip England are going to start to show fruits. Um, may not be all the way this season, but I think you're going to see it, especially after, you know, off season and things like that. For what it's um, worth, I would be happy with Josh Giddy being 35 at the end of his career. Better yeah. yet next year. Like 35 is fine. You live with 35. Yes. That's all you need him to do, right? You don't need him to be the, the yeah. dead and you can get there also by just good shot diet. Yeah. 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 Uh, my last Keto. one is that opening night 2023 Poku and Chet start beside each other. <sighs> the thin <laughs> towers comes comes to the mercy. I'm about the, to bust. the inflatable okay, tube men are backing on their legs and Poku waving at again. the three, not Chet deflated. at the four, Wimby at the five. The draft goes the way you want it to go. That didn't happen. <laughs> no, I have like a, Taylor uh, said, put all yeah. three out there. Why not all the above? I have a uh, one more that's like an overall team stat that hasn't been mentioned yet. I've been keeping an eye on the Thunder's three point per- uh, three point percentage uh, as a team overall. Obviously, something that really has varied game to game, but seems to be trending up just a tad. Currently, they rank nineteenth uh, overall in the league. At sorry, I lost my spot. Thirty four point six percent. I think based off what I'm looking at right now they'll end up at 16th or better by the time the season is over, which probably means they aren't necessarily tanking. Um, But based off the players they have on the floor, the players I think they will be playing down the stretch uh, the the remainder of the season, combined with the the teams above them, I think the Thunder can get up there. And like, I don't want to say top 15, top half of the league, just because that's where the teams start to get, like you start to get into some playoff play-in teams. But looking at the teams above them right now, at 16th, you have the uh, Detroit Pistons at 35.3% from three. The Spurs at 34.7. The Wizards at 34.7. That's 17 and 18, respectively. And the Thunder at 19 at 34.6%. I think that number is going to continue to improve between Shea. Uh, we've talked about some of these players, right? But even like some of the players returning, like Usman Jang, for example, I think he'll be getting more minutes down the stretch. I think he'll be a little more efficient. At least I'm hoping he's going to be. I'm hoping Trey Mann's going to be more efficient from three moving forward. Hopefully, as they Joe's continuing to get minutes. We know what Mascala and Kindred can do. I don't need to go down the entire roster. But all that, all those combined reasons, I think the Thunder might find themselves top 16 uh, at, the, at the end of this 2022-2023 season. I guess this is not 2023 uh, overall prediction for the year. But at the end of this season, I think they'll be top 16 in the league in three-point percentage. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Josh Smalley from, from the chat says, Ethiopia. good morning from Ethiopia. I think that's the first time we've ever had an Ethiopian listener on the show. So shout out. Trust that's awesome. Worldwide. Morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> any other 2023 predictions for the Thunder before we move on? Uh, I'll give one hot one. I'm ready. Trey Mann is not wearing a Thunder jersey. Ooh. Um, I think ooh. I think he is a guy, if you're going to move up in the draft, you're going to consolidate, you're going to have to give something. And I think we'd all agree if you had to give something that didn't make your heart ache, like if it's if it's J-Dub or Poku or Usman or Trey Man, tell me who you're willing to give up. It's Trey Man. Mm-hmm. How close is J-Dub to getting like 
into that Shay Josh chat here of not tradable. Uh, hmm. I think he's there. I think he's already there. right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Potential damn hell good. of a drug. <laughs> I'm I'm high on hopium right now, man. All right, <laughs> let's take a quick break for some ads, and then when we get back, we are going to go around the association. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we are back. Let's go around the association. I don't even know where you're sitting at. But... <laughs> Gentlemen. Some NBA news has come out since the last time we have had a full group pod before. So some fun stuff. The first one I want to talk about, Woj, apparently not spending Christmas morning with his family. Instead, <laughs> he's spending it with sources and Twitter.com, telling us that James Harden is strongly considering a return to the Houston Rockets next season. He did sign a one-and-one one with Philly, so one year and then the second year is a player option. So he could opt out this summer. And that James, I guess, just enjoys being the man in Houston, uh, frequents some establishments down there. Um, <laughs> They've got to be better, right? That's I, what I, I think we say. should take all the uncon... 
Let's take all the uncontested money and just uh, invest it all in Houston area strip clubs <laughs> and just like quadruple our cash going into uh, to next season. Yeah. So I don't even know what the, what the hell. <laughs> I think that was my, my reaction. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, I mean, I'm all about not giving Woj and Shams full credit because I think they aggregate aggregate more than they ever let on. Uh, I believe it was somebody else. I can't remember if it was like Bleacher Report or somebody else had it um, a day or two before and like leak, leaked out. And then Woj comes in and confirms it and does a big breaking news segment before the NBA Christmas games or whatever. All of that being said, I and maybe this is unfair of me, I don't know how interested at this point in his career. For example, we've seen the, I mean, he's obviously still an incredibly impactful player. He can absolutely contribute to championship basketball, but not as the guy that he was. He's not playing at that MVP level, for example. And because of that, I'm not sure how interested he is necessarily in winning that championship anymore, as much as he is the lifestyle that comes along with it. And I think that's why he may be considering a move back. Home. Leverage. Leverage. H-Town, my second home, yeah. welcome James Harden. I was thinking, I was thinking, my first thought was leverage. Leverage. And my second thought was he goes to a team that is effectively his again. He's been on teams where he is not the man. He's it's not his team. He's not the alpha. He goes back to Houston. Everybody already still has their Harden jerseys if they didn't burn them. Um, and uh, he's effectively the guy once again. And so it's leverage and uh, more, more than anything, I think. But if they were there, if it was actually the case, then I mean, Houston's not necessarily a small market. Uh, you could attract other guys and other superstars to that area if you wanted to. I hope he does. That'd be pushing the button way too early. Uh, I think that this team... I don't even know what button that is. The, the Rockets... <laughs> well, you saw it here. Mu- Gordon said just the other day. Eject button. As much as <laughs> we like... It will do it live button. As much as we... It's the Bill O'Reilly on button. The Houston team building strategy because they have a lot... They, they have like a lot of really high upside prospects. The way they fit is a different question. Houston um, has a lot of hoopers and very few basketball players. And so adding another hooper, I don't know, like like James Harden on this team today, and you got to keep in mind, they're going to add somebody in the draft. It's going to be really good. Scoot, mm-hmm. Wimby, whoever it might be. Um, adding him just feels too early. Like, if the Thunder were to go sign some top 20 player in free agency, you'd think, great, they're going to be okay, but they're not going to be a contender next year. Like, it feels a bit early. Yep. James Harden, I think, would hinder Jalen Green's projection. Take shots away. Jabari Jabari Smith already doesn't get many shots because KPJ half the time leads the team in field goal attempts. Like, well, I think KPJ is probably gone at that point. I would assume, or playing off the bench. I don't know culturally what you're building with James Harden and KPJ, but I actually think the um, uh, the other side of that, Jabari Smith Jr., actually gets good looks and probably sees his field goal percentage go up. Because it's a good fit. he's got somebody who will actually pass him the basketball. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, but to Nick's point, though, it, it would be weird to see him leave more after all could, this. Like it in a vacuum, in a vacuum, James Harden has high assist numbers. So you would think 
Jabari Smith gets more good looks. But at the end of the day, there's only so many shots, right? Like yeah. KPJ, I think, is averaging, it's the top of my head, this is not looking it up, probably 13, 14 shots a game. So even if you remove from the picture and James Harden gets 19, 20 a game, like that's less shots to go around. And Rockets yeah. fans want Shangun to play a lot more and get more look. It can't all happen. Like it just didn't work that way. If you want Jalen Green to be this 30 a game kind of guy, you want Shingun to be this offensive hub. You want Jabari Smith to get more looks. And then you bring in James Harden on top of if they get Scoot Henderson, that makes no sense to bring in James Harden. Like, I don't, I don't I hope they do it. You have Nick cap has some space. strong feelings on this. You have <laughs> cap space and you want to go spend it on James Harden when you're the worst team in the league for the third year in a row. Do it. That's better for happens. Oklahoma City. Yeah, so let's bring it full circle. Next year, the Thunder own the Houston Rockets pick, top four protected. You feeling better or worse about that pick if Harden is on that team? Better because it won't be top four. Even if they are the worst team in the league, it's a 50% chance to pick five. We've already been burned on those odds once, right? It won't be be the worst team in the league with James Harden. No, so I'm saying, do do you... Prefer them to not get James Harden, suck ass again, no, and have the chance to... of that landing top four? Or do you want them to get James Harden, but you're probably getting like pick 10, 12, 11, 12. If, yeah. if you are, if you have interest in the Thunder getting that pick from Houston, and you have interest in the Thunder being good long term, with the Houston being in their conference, you want Houston to go sign James Harden. Straight up. I think that's where I'm at too. I agree. Because I think, yeah, long term. It's bad. Um, I will still be rooting, even if they have James Harden, I will be rooting for Houston to have the worst record in the league. True. <laughs> because I will take that coin flip all day long. Um, though it did burn Oklahoma City once, can you imagine if it conveyed? And well, Houston thinks they're, you know, set up for success with a, a, a lock, basically, at a top four pick, and then it has to go to Oklahoma City. It would just be chef's kiss. Now, Justin, to your point, and something that I originally brought up, oh, I think it may be more off, not more, but at least equally off court related as it is on court. If you do get Harden, how many games is he even play? Like, I don't think he's playing 80 games pushing for the MVP again like yeah. he was three seasons ago. Yeah. Like, it still might work out in your favor. Like, does Harden coming back to Houston, is it like D Wade going to Cleveland? Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. It's such a weird AI thing. in Memphis. <laughs> there's there's a lot of comparisons that... the the other positive thing that would have for the thunder they own a philly first in 2025 if harden leaves philly philly's like capped out it's not like they can go fill that spot with another max player right they acquired harden via trade if philly sucks this year not sucks but like doesn't make it to the second round again let's say and then Harden just dips out and they can't replace him. They're fine. And then they're bad in 2024, 25. I mean, the Thunder are going to get a very nice pick. And that might that might be the end of the Joel Embiid era in Philly. Maxi's too good. If they didn't have Tyrese Maxi, I agree with the logic, but like if James Harden's on this team, Tyrese Maxi is making an all-star. I, I think that's probably right. 100%. I just I, mean, I think Harden leaving Philly 
has a double benefit for OKC. No, for sure. Like they will not be as good without sure. James Harden. That's obvious, but there's they'll, they'll still be a playoff team. All right, let's move on. We also got some reports of uh, maybe some discomfort in Atlanta with Trey Young, even after they have traded uh, to pair him with his buddy Dejounte Murray. So we're getting the Harden reports. We're getting the Trey Young reports. I want to ask you guys, who is the next big star? Not Harden, not Trey. Who will ask out or get moved from their team? Jay Gilgis Alexander is going to Toronto. Damn it, Justin. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, in I, all honesty, I, I kind of think it's Cat. That's was, a good one. That was the one I was going I to don't think the Timberwolves. There's no way they move off of Ant. But I mean, they just yeah. gave up everything. And they're better when Gobert doesn't play because Gobert is garbage. I'm going to die on that hill. I don't care. <laughs> but I mean, look at how poor they're performing. They have the same record as Oklahoma City. Yeah. It's not one great. team is spending a crazy amount of money and just traded everything for another big while the other team is still in the, the early, maybe I guess middle stages of a rebuild. I think cat might be the next one out. Cat was the first one I had on my list as well, because the Timberwolves are one of the most dysfunctional teams in the, in the NBA right now. Uh, but they at least have Anthony Edwards to hang their hat on. Right. And that's at least something for Timberwolves fans. Uh, the next one is a, a team that we've been talking about in the slack over the past week and Bradley bill, like what the hell are the wizards thinking trading assets to try and get Jay Crowder? Like, what is he doing for your team? He's not doing a single damn thing. That's even if he plays, I mean, just talk about dysfunction. Um, Jay Crowder's good. He was good. <laughs> well, and, and, and he is good, fine. but what's he doing for that wizards team? What's he right? right. Like, Taking them from 32 the wins final, to 34 wins. Playoff team. Exactly. Exactly. And then one kind of hot one I have here, um, maybe not super hot, but the Lakers, they have the injury with AD. I mean, AD is a fun one. I got to wonder about LeBron. That was, I mean, I get it. I I think he has like a no trade. I don't know something with his, his new contract he signed after this season. Stuff can get crazy. I I was going to say LeBron. Go for it. (laughs) I think you've heard the talks like he doesn't want to, he's not trying to ride out his career playing garbage basketball. And that's exactly what's happening in Los Angeles. And I, there's not really a clear pathway to fix it other than just like smushing all stars together and seeing what happens. Um, I think he probably ends up somewhere else sooner rather than later. I think that the question of like pairing him up with Bronny when he enters the league is still interesting. And so if he does leave, like what, what happens to the contract situation? I think all of that, that stuff will be fascinating with LeBron, but it's hard to see him playing on a Lakers team that sucks this bad for much longer. I'm going to go. Oh, Nick, go ahead on LeBron. I really worry about the Katie situation where it's like, what package do you put together? The Lakers say yes to. Yeah. And also on the flip side, him being 38 years old, like with, with, with the push pull of like Lakers are going to want yep. the house for LeBron and LeBron's 38. So teams are thinking like, we're not giving you the biggest package in history. Although he's yep. still an amazing player at his age. 
I just don't know how it works. So that 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 worries sure. me. My my two, um, I think the obvious one is DeAndre Ayton. I wouldn't call him a star, but I think that's like the the next big, like get traction kind of trade that blows up the internet. Shake up um, Alexander and Darius Baisley for him. Jesus. The other one, you could throw him in too if you wanted. It's it's hard because guys on rookie scale deals are almost impossible to trade. But Lamelo Ball, if this t- if this Charlotte Hornets team does not get Wimby, and they end up like having horrible lottery luck, and they get like the fifth or sixth pick, and they bring and they back on it. Miles, which is a whole nother. I can't believe that report, dude. Whole other dilemma. We're not going to talk about it in this pod. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just wonder, like Lamelo, especially with his dad in the background, like this team's horrible. Like, maybe Lamelo Ball is the next one. Ooh, ooh. I, I just think of this idea that the Portland Trailblazers have revamped the roster, and it looks a lot better this year than it did last year. But I feel like at the end of the day, Dame still not preaches loyalty, still and it's. But at the same time, I still feel like he's a guy that still ultimately wants a ring to bring back to the Bay where he's from, and so him asking out. And I've often talked about him pairing with Luka Doncic would be the most one of the most fun things we could watch on television. Um, and so I would say Dame just strictly for getting that ring and bringing it back to the Bay, uh, because he's not a Portland native. He's just loyal to the franchise and they've done to their credit. They've done everything he's wanted and he stayed among, uh, uh, amid like everything amid all the bull crap. Another guy, he's not really, I mean, like, yeah, he got a lot of accolades. Uh, that's because he played in the East, especially in a down year. Julius Randle, not fat Julius Randle, who has now become Super Saiyan. It's wild. Uh, so good, good for good for you, uh, buddy. Um, Zion, get, uh, yeah, good for getting healthy and all that stuff because that man is basically Charles Barkley, but an actual monster Charles Barkley of Space Jam back in the '90s. That's incredible. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, uh, Julius Randle would be another guy that would be a my guess, or maybe R.J. Barrett, one of the two. R.J. Barrett's crossed my mind. Pick one of the two, you know? There's three. It's interesting. Any others? Uh, The perennial John Collins. What about the... Oh, oh, Raptors, guys. We got to talk Raptors. Like, oh, go get me OG and Anobi, please. Yo, uh, yeah. Free OG. You but had OG. It, it'll, it'll, like it'll, it'll be. Hey, it'll call me our, you know like what? Leave me alone, all right? They had, it'll they be had a OG. His name on traded line day. Like, I'm probably a little disappointed. But no, I agree. Like, I would absolutely love OG, uh, which we could have had, by the way. Not that I'm bitter about it. Uh, shout out T-Ferk. I wonder about uh, Pascal Siakam. Who's just have having to, it has to be Pascal. Season. If the if the Toronto Raptors are gonna blow it up and like say let's get some assets, they're not gonna trade the young guy, they're gonna trade the yeah. old guy. Why not both? <laughs> and then <laughs> what about Bo like Bowl? I mean super smart. Yeah. Him and Mo Bamba. Mo How'd you guys right. feel about Pascal Siakam in Oklahoma City? Nope. I think he needs a ball in his hands too much. That's true. That's the same he as really the James Harden trade. Like why at this stage yeah. in the rebuild? Yeah. Would you trade for Pascal? Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you what, if you brought in OG and next year, your front court was OG and Chet. Good luck scoring. And like, OG, Lou. those two are just going to lock down the lane. Oh my Good gosh. Fun. Yeah. J-Dub. Especially with the Sar Thompson. <laughs> Gross. All right. Yeah. Let's get out of here.
Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show tonight. We really appreciate you. First one of 2023. Hey, we pulled statistics. 2022, by far, best uncontested year we've had ever, which is awesome. And that's all thanks to you guys for listening, for tuning in, to watching the live streams. So thank you all so, 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 so much. We really appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed the holidays. We're not going anywhere, though. We've got, what, three, four games on the docket this week? We've got Tuesday against the Boston Celtics. Wednesday, defender come home or go on the road to play... Orlando. The Orlando Magic. Friday, they have someone... The Wizards. There you go. And then Sunday, they play the Dallas Mavericks before we hop on the stream here. I'm we'll have post games for all of those, so tune in. Go drop a five-star rating. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Hey, speaking of social media, we're teaming up with a really awesome Thunder content creator to bring some new merch. So be on the lookout for that. Much excite. It's going to be awesome. You guys have a great beginning of your week. We'll be with you Tuesday after the Thunder take on the Boston Celtics. Until then... As always, thunder up. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.